Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. And we've made it almost to the end of 2020. It's our Christmas special. Yeah. I'm even wearing a Christmas jumper. Um, and Dave has had to avert his eyes on the Zoom call that we're speaking on because it's so shiny and bright. It actually has the message. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, which uh, I just noticed. So, yeah, yeah. no, no it's, it's, it's lovely. I mean, I'm yeah. sitting in the very sparse... Uh, Spartan Bauhaus style uh, yeah. stu studio that's actually the bedroom. It's the only room with decent Wi-Fi in the whole house. Um, and yeah. will the Wi-Fi stay? That's the big, there's a big uh, peril, moment of peril in this. There episode. we go. There's the jeopardy for the episode. Absolutely yeah. critical. Will the, will it hold out? Yeah. Um, and Dave's mentioned the video there. And what we sometimes do is put up these recordings, the videos of the recordings onto our Patreon site. So if you're playing the drinking game, there you go. I've said the word Patreon. Uh, make a note of the time and, and collect your winnings appropriately and then drink. Um, so let's dive straight in. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about what happened in 2020. And then in the next episode, which uh, drops on New Year's Eve, we're going to look ahead to 2021 and wonder whether 2021 could be any worse in many ways. So we're going to look back. But before we do that, we've got some sitcom news from the sitcom news desk. And I go over to Dave Cohen, <laughs> who is just being handed several pieces of paper. Yes, uh, this is uh, news just in. Well, in fact, it's not news just in, unfortunately. It's the same news that we gave two weeks ago, uh, right. which was there's going to be an announcement soon. Uh, unfortunately, there has been going to be an announcement soon uh, about um, comedy writing and uh, the BBC comedy department for a long time. Uh, and uh, it, it's still not coming. Just to confirm the uh, what we spoke about in the last episode about the writer's room. The okay, writer's room... can I just give some context before you start? Can I just hit yeah. pause there? So the BBC writer's room is owned by the BBC, as in the, the overall BBC, the public service broadcasting element of it. Is that right? And uh... then BBC Studios are a separate organisation uh, that make programmes for the BBC, but can also make programmes for ITV and Sky and Netflix or whoever else they want to. And so the profits that they make are ploughed back into the BBC, but they are separate companies. And if you're wondering, what's, what on earth is going on? Why don't the BBC join up the thinking? These things are separate entities now. They just look like they're all part of one thing from the outside. So what the BBC Writers Room do and what the BBC what BBC Studios and BBC Comedy do are completely different things. Uh, so yeah, how does that affect things, Dave? Well, well, just just to complicate it even more, when we talk about BBC Comedy and and we have mentioned this before, you know, when we talk about uh, BBC Radio, for instance, Radio Comedy, and we talk about children's comedy, and we talk about uh, BBC One and BBC Two, you know, they, they, they're all separate entities. They're all kind of, uh, and I, I think part of what uh, Shane Allen is trying to do, which is a good thing, is, is to bring as much as possible under his uh, so, stewardship. At the risk of sounding like, a, like I'm in one of those movies, who is he and who does he work for? Yes, Shane Allen is the controller of comedy, BBC One. Um, and he BBC One been, or just BBC? Oh, sorry, the BBC, the whole of the BBC. Yeah. yeah. And he has been in that job for many years. And uh, I may have mentioned, in fact, that I, I worked with him on his first ever job in TV, which is showing my age. Uh, so that was back in about 1998. Um, and, the 11 o'clock uh, show. 
he's uh, he's a lovely chap, and and um, it's not done me any good, I have to say, knowing <laughs> Shane, being able to say, ha ha, I remember you on the show that dare not speak its name, which mm. was uh, the eleven o'clock show on Channel Four. Yeah. However, um, uh, I digress. Um, but uh, poor Shane, to be fair to him, I think he's been desperate to make an announcement for a long time. But meanwhile, the BBC itself uh, is under sort of huge upheavals and. Last week, they announced uh, that they are scrapping the way they commission things. So they're getting rid of uh, commissioners. The commissioners are the kind of, we always thought, they're the most powerful people. They are the people who decide everything, Mm. uh, what goes out and what doesn't. But the the BBC are having to make very big cuts. And and it's not just, they've cut at the bottom end as much as they can. So they're now cutting at the executive end, which they probably should have done a long time ago. But there Mm. you go. Um, Which now means that Shane isn't just the head of comedy, but I think he's also, and and it's not clear yet how it's going to work, but I, I, I think he'll also be commissioning. So he's basically doing two jobs now and yeah. probably being paid for one. Um, yeah, being, quite, being paid quite well for yeah, one. I mean, yeah. I would not uh, argue with, with whatever it is he is getting. Um, but, uh, you know, I would happily uh, walk home. But then again, I wouldn't want to sit in an office. I, I'm, I, I'm not sure I'd want to do what he's been doing, which is like come up with his great new plans and initiatives, uh, spend months on them and then be told, oh, by the way, uh, you're going to have to shelve those for the next uh, couple of weeks because yeah. we're completely changing everything. So, um, But also, as we've said on previous podcasts, and it is worth having this kind of chat, really, because it does throw forward. It's just com- the comedy world generally. These comedy controllers and commissioners, or whatever they're called now, and I, I'm afraid I don't really pay any attention because it, it really doesn't make any difference. Because if you're a writer, you need a producer who knows how the system works to champion your idea and to navigate the system for you. They're the ones that steer it through the choppy waters. So in a way, you don't really need to know all this stuff. I, but I the, would, the other th- yeah. Go on. So I was going to say, I would agree with you in 99 out of 100 cases. I think it's just in this specific instance, it, it is going to directly affect uh, yeah. basically our audience, people who want to write comedy for a living. So, no, but what I mean by that is, um, my, my, the point I was going to go on to make is the fact that all of these controllers and commissioners, and they say, you know, we are trying to produce better. I mean, at the end of the day, they just want funny shows. That's all they want. They want funny shows written by a variety of people from a variety of perspectives. And so there's a there's an extent to which they can try to <clears throat> sort of um, put out incentives to do that. But ultimately, if people don't come up with the goods, they, they can't speak comedy into existence. Because if they could, they'd be comedy writers writing the shows. Yeah. So in a way, what they're trying to do is create a landscape. They're, they're almost like um, ploughing the ground... Uh, and you know, because and they don't even have seeds to scatter. All they can do is prepare the ground and hope that some people scatter some seeds and that they'll get some, uh, they'll get some growth and that they'll get some things that really look like they're going to be something. But ultimately, it doesn't matter what they do. It's up to us, the writers, to come up with ideas that are, that are you know really personal to us in some ways, really of the moment in other ways and that we can express in a particular way, and we can show that we've got the skills to execute that show. So just as a bit of context for this, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what the powers that be are doing, but ultimately, these are, if they were being sent 
15 really, really hot comedy scripts a month and they had to decide between, they had to make three of them every month. Well, that would be easy. But they're not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, that's, that's, a, fair, that's a fair point. But, yeah. I, 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 but I think what's, uh, what, what's, what's changed uh, in the last sort of couple of months, and, and it's, it's sort of, as far as we're concerned, and certainly as far as I've been concerned, I've been writing these, sending off these daily emails, you know, what do we mean by comedy drama? Comedy drama, which is a sort of nebulous phrase that has been out there for a, a couple of years now. I remember the, uh, the first time it really sort of came to prominence was when James, you and I were, were at that uh, BBC uh, conference for, for new writers in yeah. Stratford in East London um, about uh, comedy and drama. It was the first time that comedy had been invited to the table, so we felt very excited. And I think you chaired the, the, the actual... Uh, uh, meeting where with with all the uh, commissioners of, and yeah. you know we we tried to get a sense of what what do you mean by comedy drama, and I think the answer came sort of over the next year. You could tell what they were excited about, and and it was things like um, the second series of Fleabag, um, Back to Life, the Daisy Haggard uh, show, uh, and 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 the, these are the shows that that are being talked about now as kind of examples of what they're now looking for and so uh, out of nowhere in about November the BBC writers room said oh the drama window's open and it just I, purely by chance I happened to see oh and we're accepting comedy drama scripts as well and I thought hang on a minute <laughs> you know, yeah. when James asked that question two years ago what is comedy drama uh, and, and he said and you're not allowed to say surprise me Mm. Uh, which was which the, you could see them all just about to say that and then yeah. see them hastily kind of looking at their notes thinking oh damn I've got to say something different now yeah um, and I just thought well the, the, we you know writers kind of need a little bit of guidance about this mm. and it then turned out that actually oh this was a much bigger thing a writer's room are not taking comedy scripts anymore so that's that's the the big the absolutely official news as far as uh, you are concerned who are mm. listening to this there will be no uh, comedy window for uh, for writers in April as there has been for the last few years yeah which sounds like bad news um, but actually that is part of what you know what what Shane is hoping to take yeah. in and, and so things like the Goldman Simpson bursary the Felix Dexter the Carolina yeah. Heard nurseries so there will still be opportunities for comedy writers, yeah. but it's not going to be through the writer's room. Yeah. Uh, what it's going to be, we don't know. At the time of recording, we still do not know. Yeah. And if we do know, then we'll announce it on Twitter and Facebook. And I'm sure the BCG will also put up the information. And BCG, the British Comedy Guide, kindly host our podcast on their servers and, uh, and give it a good old shove. And we're always very grateful to them. And we wish them a very Merry Christmas. Yes, thank you May all much. your Christmas specials come true. Yeah, Mark yeah. and Aaron at the yeah. uh, British Comedy Guide, who do the most phenomenal job. I mean, they, have yeah. just, they are basically two blokes sitting in their bedrooms and, uh, with a kind of website that seems to get a zillion hits every, uh, yeah. every month. Massively packed with the sort of yeah. research that you could imagine a team of 30 people being oh yeah yeah if the BBC yeah. ran the BCG it would be it would be staffed with 40 people 
Um, it's, it's sort of Wikipedia for comedy, really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just so two it's people an, doing it. Yeah, yeah. So if you've not heard of it, amazing. Uh, then what a treat. What a Christmas treat you have to look forward to. You can lose yourself for hours and hours. You can't spend Christmas with your family, probably, or your extended family. So spend time with all your favourite all your favourite sitcom characters, uh, which are kind of written up and all the, all the shows and loads of information. So click away, my friends. Sitcom, so stand-ups, radio, TV, yeah. children's, everything. It's everything all there. British comedy. Great. That's an impromptu advert, and it's yeah. from the heart, clearly. It is. Oh, and yeah. it's Christmas, so, you know, that's, that's when we do it. We interrupt this podcast for some breaking news. Since recording this podcast, the BBC Comedy Association has launched a whole load of initiatives, competitions, bursaries, broadcast slots, and a city of comedy every year, and a BBC Comedy Festival, whole load of stuff. So you can find out more about that. Go to comedy.co.uk or look in the show notes, and there'll be information about everything that's happening. So, there we go. Back to the podcast. So what else is in the news? Um, the news, well, let's um, uh, mention that next, uh, starting in January, there's going to be another series of uh, The Skewer, uh, which we uh, mentioned and, and a lot in about September, October. This is uh, the show uh, kind of created totally as the, the brainchild of John Holmes, great comedy writer and presenter, uh, Dead Ringers, The Now Show. And uh, just a, a guy who is, uh, he's, the, he's the king of uh, audio and he's very yeah. much, uh, you know, it, it, it's a new type of show, The Skewer. It's, it is, uh, it, it's very much from the tradition of experimental, uh, you know, sort of Kenny Everett through to yeah. uh, Chris Morris kind of uh, world of, of, of uh, audio, but actually it's also topical. Uh, yeah. and I've never been anything done like that before it's a great show in October John very kindly wrote some notes for us which uh, I sort of put out there for uh, people and he got loads of uh, submissions from new writers and he's really happy about it and he wants to get more and he will be putting out a new brief for series 3 I think in uh, which is starting in January um, so Sorry, I've got it um, coming up here on my... Oh, oh, right, okay. I was just trying to find it. It's there on BBC Sounds. Yeah. Um, series 2, episode 6 is there at least, so you can listen to one, because it's always really important just to listen yeah. to, to what you're trying to aim for. It says that it's available for over a year, so... Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's not something that everybody could hope to write for, It's that it, 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 but, but if you're a, a, an audio buff if you love radio if you uh, and it and if you've got an interest in topical then you know it's it's a, it's a great show i think at yes. times it, it is uh it is brilliant um and um it's won lots of awards deservedly so and um yeah you can you can write for it so i think that's been the most sort of exciting news for for new writers in quite a long time so you know big big shout out to john i think he's, he's fantastic that yeah. he's doing this and again, it'll be it's a it's a tiny thing. It's going to be him and his engineer sifting through all the stuff you send. Yeah. So you know, thank you, John, for for doing that and putting that out there for us. All. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you can listen to all the episodes on the BBC website. So there's mm -hmm. so you know, have a listen, get the tone, and then go crazy. Do do your own thing. I, I think he's really looking for new voices, new ways of doing stuff. I think he's he's as much as excited. He's probably even more excited. Uh, by the form 
and the possibilities of audio as he is about attitudes to the news. I don't I don't think he's particularly motivated by satire and current events. I think he's more interested in ways of doing comedy and, yeah. and ways of presenting it would, would be my gut. So have a think along those lines. Yeah. Um, but it, it, he does have a point of view, but he's he's not uh, he's not actually shoving a single point of view yeah. down your throat. I mean, you do tend to get with uh, shows that are quite sort of stand up heavy or, uh, you know, um, the, 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 the standard fare does tend to inevitably yeah. come from a sort of liberal leftish perspective yeah. because that's what most stand ups are and a lot of comedy writers are. But John actually, uh, I, you know, I, I, I say this as a compliment, not as a, mm. you know, he's a wishy washy, yeah. uh, doesn't believe anything. I think he just he, he looks at every story uh, on its merits, yeah. decides what his point of view is and then finds the comedy from there. And I think that's yeah. that, that's that's great. Slightly harder, to, yeah. I think he's a bit harder to pin down, and that's and mm. and that's in a way what satire possibly should be, yeah. or at least or at least some of it. I don't know. We don't really understand satire, if we're honest. <laughs> so, uh, what else, Dave? What else? Well, uh, you might remember we had our competition uh, towards the end of last year, and we we uh, the the ten page script uh, challenge. In fact, um, I'm going to be sifting through. I'm going to be announcing the winners of the uh, scene writer scene challenge uh, early in the new year. Um, but Peter C. Haywood, remember he was the a winner of the te- the uh, ten page challenge, and uh, his he wrote the script Night Crew, and we interviewed him uh, mm. a while back. He is actually uh, recording it himself, um, and he did a he's he's done a table read of the show. He sent sent that uh, to us, and uh, I had a listen. Uh, it's sounding great. He's still rewriting. He's going to have to do a proper recording, and he will have uh, an episode ready to do. Who knows what? What mm. is the, what does the future hold for people making their own audio? What do you think, yeah. James? Yeah, I think it's a very positive step. I think you know you can show show intent. You can make one for virtually nothing, um, and you can say you can maybe kickstart it. You can raise funds for it, uh, or you can just go and make it, um, or come up with a format that is very cheap and easy uh, to make, and it. You know, and there are video versions of that too. I mean, just people talk. YouTube is mostly people talking into into cameras uh, directly, and there are funny ways of doing that. So, um, I think there is a future for all that stuff, and especially in in a time when we can't really meet people face to face, and there is no still theatre meaningfully. There's not much stand up, and there probably won't be till Easter um, or the summer. I mean, I think even the Edinburgh Fringe 2021 is still borderline. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be making any concrete plans to go to Edinburgh in August until at least March. Um, so, uh, I mean, we don't know what this new vaccine is going to do. The, the the cure may be, the vaccine may be worse than a disease. I mean, it's just, there's no way of knowing. I mean, it's, it's oh, all being rushed. Thanks, thanks for that cheery uh, addition to the uh, current situation. You are very, very welcome. I'm a comedy writer. I'm a glass half empty guy. That's just the way we're made. Well, I suppose so, that might be one uh, silver lining to, you know, leaving uh, the European Union without a deal. Maybe, maybe that's going to be good for comedy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Maybe. I don't know. I've, I've not really checked the news. I've no idea how the Brexit negotiations <laughs> are going probably yeah. awful i assume so you've done um, the right thing so um so yeah so i think in a way without stand-up and without live sketch comedy and all that kind of stuff the the, the playing field has been leveled slightly so there is an opportunity to, to put stuff up in different platforms 
Um, but it's it's a it's that too. It, it feels very instant and immediate. But actually, just sort of looking ahead, really, I, I've started a YouTube channel called The Situation Room, and um, and I'm talking you know about sitcom related stuff. And I've been looking at lots of videos about how to do YouTube. And YouTube basically says the algorithm's not going to take you seriously until you've done thirty-five videos. Right. So this is a this is a long process. You're, you're going to get dozens of views for months and months and months before the algorithm picks up on what you're doing, if it's any good and has any kind of resonance and all that kind of stuff. So I think because it's easy to write stuff and put it up very quickly, you can immediately expect the results as immediately as that. And that's the long game as well. It mm. feels much quicker, but actually um, everything takes takes a while to happen. So, but we'll talk about that shortly because we should probably round off the news first. So Peter's yeah. making uh, the 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 audio of of his uh, sitcom, which is intended as an audio show. It was never written. It wasn't a TV show that's been turned into audio. It was a it was a radio show all along. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, what else? Keep us moving on the news, Dave. Right. Well, just last thing, a very, very quick mention. Uh, Channel Four was looking. It was looking pretty awful, really, for for Channel Four uh, with with COVID, and and there was talk that they were going to completely scrap all their comedy. But so um, we're kind of uh, back from the brink of that. But there's still uh, a lot uh, to play for with Channel Four. There are these attempts now um, to to um, talk about sort of privatising it, taking away all its money. Who knows what would happen with that? They still talk. Uh, their, their their logo or whatever it is their mission statement is still comedy being at the heart of everything we do. Um, nah, which is a bit uh, a bit, bit annoying. <laughs> just, if you're Channel Four News, isn't. wouldn't it? Oh, <laughs> and yeah, now here's yeah. the news, and here's yeah. Jon Snow with a sort of red nose and, yeah. a, and a horn going. Yeah, um, that's not going to work. But I mean, I, I, you get you know what they mean. It's like you know a show like Bake Off, for instance, which uh, we, which is uh, we, we uh, watch. Dare I use this word religiously, uh, mm. James? And yeah, no, presence. fair enough. We, me but, too. We we love it and uh, you know and it has no doubt since Matt Lucas has joined it it has moved from a sort of gentle humour to uh, to sort of laugh out loud. He's funny, he's brilliant at it. I mean, Sandy was great. Sandy yeah. and Noel were really good replacements for Mel and Sue, who were yeah. brilliant. But Matt has really. I mean, I don't know him personally. I know obviously you know people who know him, and you, you yeah. probably know him a little bit. But he's he just seems so perfect for it. It's yeah. really good. No, it's um, fantastic. Yeah, 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 no, I'm a big Bake Off fan. And actually, earlier, uh, about a month ago, I met, for the second time, genuine thrill, Martha Collison, who was um, one of the youngest ever quarter-finalists, I think. She was like 17 or something. Right. Um, and she, she was making a video for a friend of mine for a, a, a Christian thing that uh, that I was involved with called for an organisation called Faith in Kids. And there's like a bake-along with, with Martha. Um, but meeting her was just—it's just a genuine thrill, and there I am, you know, total fanboy. Um, and I met her once at a very odd situation at, at, at Lambeth Palace, um, at some reception for the Archbishop of Canterbury, right. and the Archbishop of Canterbury was there, as was for some reason Frank Skinner and Maureen Lipman. But my jaw hit the floor when I thought when I saw Martha. I said, oh, "I've got to go and talk to Martha and ha- and have a selfie with her." Right. Um, so yeah. you know that's that's the power of Bake Off. But to yeah. say that comedy is at the heart of everything we do on Channel Four, it's like no, it isn't. It used to be. I've got to say, by the way, that is the most uh, elaborate attempt to set up a joke about uh, um, a, a Catholic, a Christian, and a Jew. Yeah, yeah. 
yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Maureen Lippman, Frank Skinner, yeah. and the. Yeah, it was a very that. odd arrangement, as to say, yeah. why why are we here? But anyway, I, I just. I hope they all walked into a bar at some point. But yeah, uh, that would have been good, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. We were served drinks, so uh, we could have done the jokes there and then. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. No, but no I, I know what you mean about about Channel Four, but they they are you know it, it is I I've heard uh, someone give a lecture about it about two years ago I think mm. so well, you know which is of course ancient history in covid terms and channel 4 terms so mm. um but yeah i think they are definitely that's that's uh you know ho- hopefully comedy is going to continue um so yeah so that's a kind of roundup of 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 the news so the thought, news you know we, we we're looking at um we're, we're looking back in this episode on the last uh, year or so not just not just you and i james but we asked um we we asked some of our uh listeners we we went uh, we, we tweeted and asked people what uh what what they what how they felt about this bizarre yeah. bonkers year really and 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 what they've learned and what they want to do um, so should we just go, should we go into a couple of them first? Yeah, no, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Shall I mention, uh, Henrik's one where he yeah. says he had his first Newsjack sketch broadcast this spring. And after that, some successes with the skewer and breaking the news, which, uh, we mentioned the skewer before breaking the news is another show, which accepts material. Uh, that's a BBC Scotland show. It's a rep- Scotland radio. Is that right? Uh, it's on TV as well. Yeah. Oh, it's, OK. It, Sorry. Yeah. I hadn't I hadn't quite yeah. realised that. Yeah. Um, and he said the latter was actually shocking as I thought I was unable to write <laughs> decent one liners. So I think I, I would we, we do recommend people really do give those things a go, especially if you're not a performer and you don't really want to make stuff. The way in is still through that. Um, but he'd say, you know, in that sense, it's been one of the best years of my life outside of comedy. It's been a terrible year of unemployment, stress and anguish, a mixed bag, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, I just one other thing I say about Henrik. He was uh, he was one of our patrons for a while. And I think he's uh, 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 I think he's Swedish or German. I can't quite remember which, but no. you know, not only uh, is he writing one liners, but not in his own language. Yeah. So, uh, that is quite yeah. something. Yeah. But if I, he can do it. Come on, folks. We yeah. all can. But I think what he said um, sums up, I think, for, for, uh, he speaks for quite a few people, I think, in that uh, for, for some of us, comedy has been, you know, it, it, it's, it's been OK. But against the backdrop of everything else, it sort of feels, I don't know, feel, feels like it's been quite a difficult, uh, dif- difficult time, really, for um mm. For, for all of us and and you know the kind of um get, getting getting a line on news jack or breaking the news or yeah. is is a fantastic thing but you know in in terms of everything else that has happened in our lives i'd like to just actually pick up on uh adam adam lavis uh yeah. lavis i'm not sure cause adam uh we've mentioned adam uh, a couple of times before on the show because uh, i remember i remember reading a, a script of his and i think we I think we might have done a, a, his uh, 10 minutes uh, challenge. First 10 pages, yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah. So great. that's a benefit. If you're on Patreon and you join us at a certain level, uh, we will read the first 10 pages of your script and do a little mini Patreon-only podcast about it. So yeah. there's a little perk there. And so he said, uh, we asked, you know, what's a, how do you see 2020 and what you're looking for 2021? He, he, he said 2020 gained perspective, insert 2020 vision joke here. Mm-hmm. Um and possibly the last 2020 joke of the year there, but uh, mm. no, all, all credit to that. He said, gain perspective about isolation and mental health and what writers can do to help each other. 
and 2021, hoping to set up some kind of buddy system to connect writers with one another to help with feeling isolated and boost mental health, mm. which is a fantastic idea, I yeah. think. And I think it's one of the, if I may say, one of the advantages of our Patreon is that we have a private um, uh, Facebook group and not everybody's on it from our Patreon scheme, but lots of people are. And there's lots of people putting up stuff saying, oh, have you seen this? There's a new thing here. So-and-so uh, wrote this piece about this and that. So, you know, we put up stuff. We engage with that. Um, one, or, one of us will do that most days. And um, so there's a bit of chat. And I think it's a bit of a team game, isn't it? And I, I'm always really encouraged to see writers who are, you know, professional writers are notorious for being bitter, envious, uh, the Gore Vidal, it is not enough that I succeed, others must fail. Yeah. But actually, there's a real spirit of, of everyone trying to help each other. Because in a way, we're not actually in competition with each other. Um, we're, we're trying to help each other because we all love comedy. Um, and we kind of want better comedy, better scripts, uh, more jokes. Yeah. So it's a shared passion, really. So that would be one of the upsides to joining us on Patreon, I think. And one of the things, actually, that I, I want to mention, even if you're, you know, if you can't or don't want yeah. to join the patreon is and, and that recently i have been kind of spending a bit more time on our, our twitter page partly because uh I, I find twitter uh not the most um not, not the greatest place for for a lot of things but actually when it's a subject when it's a, a passion uh and there's lots of other people who have share that passion and, and in our case, obviously, comedy writing is it. Uh, I've definitely felt really, uh, you know, a, a, a little bit of what, what uh, Adam's talking about there, in mm. a sense of kind of uh, what one of, um, if, if you can get past what Twitter is for people when it comes to politics, uh, and you go to our uh, Twitter site, Sitcom Geeks, you know, there have been some really uh, interesting uh, chats and, you know, beyond just... What's, what is comedy drama? How do you get stuff on Newsjack? But kind of the uh, the sort of things that people uh, are are saying. Um, I mean, I've got just just again here's an example. This is from uh, Mike uh, Beddows. It's well, it's spelt Beddows, B E W D O E S. But when I lived in South Wales, I remember that name was pronounced uh, Bathers. Um, so I don't know if it's Mike Beddows or Mike Bathers. But uh, anyway, that's irrelevant because uh, what did he say he said in 2020 wrote three new shows and co-wrote two got my first uh, writer's agent tried not to go mad and or broke and then 2021 a commission for something that makes people laugh uh, continue to try not to go mad and or broke and you know it's, it's um, again it's not just you know we, we, we are we are we are there for each other and uh, you know I appreciate uh, I, I, I think we all understand what Mike is saying there uh, mm. in both those cases, uh, and and you know it can you know sitting at. I mean we're 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 used to uh, in our lives sitting at home alone, yeah, <laughs> uh, working, and uh, suddenly the rest of the world sort of caught up with us really this year, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, it, it is good to know when you're sitting there out on your own doing your, you know, doing, doing this absurd thing of, uh, you know, trying to trying to write comedy and trying to yeah. make, make people laugh while you're sitting at home alone. And there's this sort of awful stuff going on uh, in the outside outside world uh, that to know that there are other people. 
yeah doing that as I mean, well. I would I would really recommend because it's easy just to say uh, that turn off notifications social media is completely toxic and part of me <clears throat> Uh, would recommend seriously considering whether you want to do social media at all. And I, I've been feeling, I've been fairly good spirits recently, and I realise it's because I took Facebook off my iPad, and I just don't look at it during the day um, out of interest because it just kind of, you know, you, you then end up in the classic internet cartoon. You know, are you coming to bed? No, no, someone's wrong on the internet. Um, you know, which is kind of, I mean, talk about prophetic. I mean, that was that cartoon is over. 10 years old hmm. um but um i think if you know what you're trying to get out of it and you sort of fix parameters for it and also unfollow people who cause you stress and cause you to form opinions that you don't actually require hmm. so i kind of routinely unfollow people on facebook and twitter because you just think i don't really need you know i know people are upset and excited about brexit there's nothing I can do about Brexit one way or the other. So I don't really need to know any of it. And there's no point getting sucked into it, really. So unfollow these people who just talk about it a lot at the moment. Maybe I'll follow them again in a year's time when the debate has moved on. But I think you do need to be fairly selfish about how you use these platforms because they are they are genuinely a way of creating a bit of community if you're stuck at home. So, you know, and I note that looking at our Sitcom Geeks uh, Twitter handle, at Sitcom Geeks, I know for a fact that half of you listening are not following us on Twitter. Now, half of that half probably don't use Twitter at all, and that's completely fine. But I do recommend you open up Twitter and just find at Sitcom Geeks and click follow. And you and, and Dave is very good at updating it. I put stuff up occasionally. I'm also Sitcom Geek, and I'm now regularly um, linking to this Situation Room YouTube channel and starting to have conversations about sitcom. And it's something that we are passionate about and can talk about. And actually, people tend to be pretty open about it. And then you get the occasional troll who just says, oh, you're the idiot who co-wrote Miranda, so you can get lost. Yeah. And you go, oh, OK, well, that's easy. Block. Um, <laughs> so, you know, people are very easily manoeuvred out of the discussion. Um, so I think you do need to be a bit selfish about how you use social media. Is that fair, Dave? I th uh, yeah, very much so. And in fact, um, what you were saying, I've uh, applied also to um, with with Twitter. I do. I kind of go on to my own Twitter feed, but on, usually only to to retweet the sitcom yeah. geek stuff. And I, I've I I made a point only. I only I try not to get involved in politics. Uh, mm. It's very hard for me, but uh, yeah. I, I only have conversations with people who are experts in areas that know a lot more than I do. I I don't actually express uh, my own opinions anymore. Right. So, James, what did you? What what what's your kind of uh, big takeaway from uh, this year then? Um, well, my big takeaway is I learned how to cook Chinese takeaways. That was exciting. Um, there's a there's <laughs> a book the by yeah there's a book by Gok, there's a book book by Gok Wan's brother um, about how to cook Chinese food, and I, I learned how to cook cook uh, Indian food that tastes like it's from an Indian takeaway. And now I'm learning Chinese food because I know that that's not the real thing, but that's kind of how you always want it to taste. When you cook a curry at home, you sort of want it to taste like a takeaway, don't you? So anyway, that's my takeaway. But my other writing takeaways, um, I think I, I kind of changed my attitude a bit and just realised the importance of survival. And I know this sounds a bit negative, but I remember thinking when lockdown came, mm, it's going to be like this most of the year, isn't it? Um, let's just survive the year. 
let's just stay in the game. Let's just do things that will, you know, let's just move some money around so that I can just afford to keep living. Let's do some other bits and pieces here and there that I might not otherwise do. Because in a way, I think um, these things go in waves in terms of your own career. You get opportunities that you that you didn't ask for. And loads of the stuff that I've done, I've been asked to do. Um, I didn't ask to work on Miranda. They asked me. Uh, and that was because of a radio, a different radio show I'd done. Even though I knew Miranda personally, I was only asked because I'd done Hut 33. And I, it was clear that I knew how to piece together a radio sitcom. And Miranda was doing a radio sitcom before her TV one. So in those years, I, I, I used to be quite successful because I was writing My Hero and My Family. And then I was sort of back in radio just thinking, oh, hang on. I, this feels like I'm going backwards here. Stay in the game. Stay in the game. Oh, do you want to work on this show, this radio show for Miranda? It's going to TV. Uh, yeah, OK. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I hope I hope people like this. I'm not sure they will. Um, and then obviously that created a bit of a, you know, a bit of heat. And then I got Bluestone off the back of that. And then that got cancelled for a variety of reasons we don't have to get into. Um, it ran its course, whatever. Um, and then things sort of went quiet for a bit. And then I did episodes of... Uh, Citizen Khan that was based on the fact that I'd worked for Anil Gupta doing Elven Quest, which was a show that I liked and I knew how to do that because I knew how to do radio shows and I liked the show. So I just sort of did two episodes over Christmas a few years ago when they were running a bit short of time. And so in a way, I think I've learned that you just want to stay in the game, do what you can do, do it well, show you can do it and wait for opportunities. And in the meantime, just kind of keep busy, keep the wolf from the door. Looking back at my earnings this year, I suspect a third of my earnings have been from producing podcasts, not this one, but professional podcasts produced for uh, Christian organisations that I work with and that I believe in. But I make podcasts for them um, and I interview people for them. There's also a bit of my income is royalties from stuff that I've done over the last 15, 20 years. And then the other thing is I learned how to write a murder mystery show and wrote an episode of Shakespeare and Hathaway which would have been filmed by now under normal circumstances, but isn't going to be filmed until next year. So I kind of had to learn a completely new skill and it, I almost had to go back to the drawing board and they were incredibly patient with me and I was making really basic mistakes. Um, but they, um, yeah, but they knew kind of that I could write it and that I had the tone for it because it's quite a jokey, fun show. And I kind of had to go back and, and eat a bit of humble crumble and realize I don't know how to do this. So that was really good for me. And I sort of have a newfound respect and sympathy for people trying to write sitcom scripts. Because I read a sitcom script and go, these are basic mistakes. How can you be doing them? This is like, haven't you seen a sitcom? Surely. And now there I am writing a murder mystery. And then they sort of hand me back the notes. And I look, look back at the script I've written through the eyes of the notes and just thinking, wow, this is embarrassing. What was I thinking? So well, that's been kind of yeah. good for me. So those are kind of the headlines, I think. Yeah. Uh, and there are probably other things as well. I mean, I've the, the last thing is I've learned how to make YouTube videos. Um, and it, originally that was because of uh, my, my church. So my daughter goes to a group at church, which then couldn't meet. And I was one of the leaders of that church. So I started making little 10, 12 minute YouTube videos. First about Joshua. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down, that bit of the Bible. And then John's gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Word, you know, word was God. Um, and so 
I sort of learned how to do that. And I've applied those skills to this new thing called the Situation Room, which is my kind of YouTube channel, which is hopefully sort of short-ish videos. Um, and, we'll, you know, we'll talk more about that probably in the next episode. But that's kind of my my extra thing I've done. I sort of, I've, I've learned the skills. Uh, I've worked out how to make it myself properly lit vaguely. And I've got the kit to do it. Um, and it wasn't very expensive. I've watched a lot of how to do YouTube, YouTube videos. Um, so I've really kind of reskilled in some various areas that may or may not be very useful in the future. I don't know, but I think those are the kinds of things that I've been doing rather than just sort of, um, frustratedly writing sitcoms that are never going to happen i've been kind of doing other things whilst also having some sitcom ideas in the back of my mind and talking to richard hurst my writing partner about this that and the other and one or two things have gotten not close but got a bit of traction and then bit in the dust and so you know it's pushing doors skilling up um getting busy doing some things in the short term that make money that i've sort of subsequently just think i'd, I'd rather do a bit less of that in the future if i'm honest um, and I found one or two people to take over those things. So that's kind of how my year has looked. And from a personal point of view, it's been frustrating because I've not seen my parents very much. who have been shielding. My in-laws have been really shielding. Um, we home educate. Um, so that was already, we were kind of already fine with that. Um, so that wasn't too bad. But we, uh, yeah, it, it was it was weird. And I get a bit of cabin fever every now and then. Uh, but in many ways, it's been it's been a positive year for me, although financially it's not been particularly good. Uh, but it's I've just about kept in the game. And I think survival is the name of the game. Survival, persistence, perseverance um, is a good lesson for a writer to learn because most people don't make much money out of writing. Yeah. Uh, that is the cold, hard reality. And I'd like to write more books in the future. There's no money in writing books. Um, you know, only only a, only a couple of hundred people make a full time living in the UK actually writing books. Um, maybe a, maybe a couple of thousand. I don't know. But most yeah. people are have a position. You know, they're an academic. Uh, they're a journalist. A newspaper pays their wages. You know, and the, but the J.K. Rowlings of this world are extremely rare. You know, they're they're complete once in a generation outliers. So those are my headlines. Any any of those things spark off um yeah yeah i'm i've decided i'm gonna write books so uh, yeah <laughs> thanks for that uh, great decision uh, well yeah. me too i mean looking ahead we'll talk about it next time there are a yeah. couple of books i really want to write and i have written a book this year as well I, um wow i mean i'm gonna talk about it oh yes of course you did we'll, we'll i wrote a book called it. the gospel according to a sitcom writer which is sort of looking at particularly the new testament and just going right. if you're a sitcom writer this is how it sounds. You know, these are the funny bits that the Bible has sort of implied, but not said out loud. Right. Um, so anyway, that's coming. Yeah. That's not coming out till June, though. So I'll I'll wibble on about that next yeah. year at some point. OK, well, that's I mean, I'll, I'll talk about books probably in the in, in the next episode. But um, yep. the, the, well, it, it's a kind of slightly weird situation. I suppose you're you would be considered to be, I guess, kind of midway through your career. Uh, yeah. as a writer and I, I would definitely say thinking that I'm kind of coming coming to the end of mine um, and I had so uh, over the last sort of two or three years anyway um, I have been thinking a lot about okay uh, well 
the, the, the fact that you know I am I am no longer the uh, the guy who's asked to come and sit in rooms and write one-liners for for uh, panel shows, mm. not least because I'm twenty-five years older than the next uh, oldest person in the room, um, and that's you know that's fine. I I I never particularly enjoyed those yeah. gigs, but they 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 paid well, and uh, um, but I've had to. I've had to you know, be thinking about, well, what, what, what can I do? And so over the last sort of two or three years, I had been coming around more to the idea of uh, things like writing books and, and the teaching side. Hmm. Um, weirdly, just before lockdown happened, I, I was starting to get quite a few more writing gigs of the sort of thing that I really love doing. Hmm. Uh, like, for instance, working with uh, Arthur Smith on his Edinburgh show. Yeah. Uh, coming up working on a musical for the West End for Horrible Histories Um, and so you know uh, and another Edinburgh show with someone else that I was kind of very interested in Mm. and then um, of course March came along and uh, off off went those uh, things but then but then the the actual the the, the teaching side of things sort of took off in a in, in a quite a large way really because mm. a lot of people were thinking oh right i've got three months sit at home not being not doing anything uh, being paid 80 percent of whatever i might as well see if that idea that i always wanted to be a comedy writer uh let's try it and so um it's actually been i, I almost feel a bit guilty <laughs> yeah um, that I, I sort of feel like the, the the spiv. I feel like sort of Walker, Private Walker in mm. uh, Dad's Army. You know, I'm the, the I'm the spiv who sort of done quite well out of the the whole sort of COVID thing. Um, and you know, sitting at home, working, sorting it out. It's not really been a a, a huge uh, change. And a lot of the uh, the stuff has been online anyway. So mm. uh, and that that's one of the huge changes with COVID is so much stuff has gone online. Um, here we are looking at each other on a, on a Zoom thing, like yeah. you know, like like it's nothing at all. But you know, yeah, absolutely, even, yeah. Even eight oh, months ago, I remember like, you know the first Zoom calls and everybody being, oh my god, you know what the hell is going on here? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 That has been a real positive actually, because I love I love podcasting, as people would know. Um, and now the expectation is you just record it on Zoom and it's fine. Um, yeah. So previously, up until now, the idea that we would record down the line was just like, was nuts. Even though I record a podcast with a friend of mine called Cooper and Carey Have Words, he lives in Florida. Um, and so we record at each end, that's called a double ender, Ua. And, um, and so he records, in, he records a clean audio track, uh, you know, as we do this now, you know. Mm. Um, so we had been doing it, but that was that was an unusual way of doing things. And we only did that because he was literally across the Atlantic Ocean. So the prospect of us being in the same room was was never possible from the start. But now the expectation is the idea that you'd go to someone's house to record um, a, a, an audio um, uh, interview. It's just like, well, no, you just wouldn't, would you? Yeah, yeah. And that's good for me because that's just saved an awful lot of traveling that I'd be very happy not to do. So that's kind of a positive. Yeah. So and I don't. It's never going to go back to how it was. Hmm. I agree. Um, yeah. But I, I suppose the main thing that I've learned, because as I say, I've I probably was a couple of years ahead of the curve. Mm. Uh, not not that I could have predicted what happened, but what I what I started to do when the work, when I wasn't getting as much work as I had been was yeah. I I started to think much more of it in terms of uh you know me 
as an individual taking charge of my career. Um, yeah. And a lot of things, like for instance, I think that one of the, the kind of most profound moments I think was when we did the uh, podcast with Joanna Penn about self-publishing and just the way that she talked about all these things that she takes for granted she's always done her own stuff she's never had an agent she's never bothered with an agent and and she just sits there and she sorts out her own rights for her books she gets her she sells her books in 120 countries she gets all the income from that she yeah uh, she talked about you know we, we talked about audio think talking about bbc radio and she yeah. was like where have you been living guys you know you can order a thousand plays on the from you know, audible yeah. or wherever you know there's a whole there is a whole world out there of stuff being made and we we we've been stuck in our kind of bbc channel for yeah. you know 22 minute sitcom whatever and we we yeah, we, we've probably been a little bit more ahead of the curve than most people. We've talked a lot about, you know, the making sketches on YouTube, doing your own yeah. podcasts and stuff. Yeah, certainly I've changed my opinion on that. I mean, probably a year or two ago, but this has accelerated that realisation, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think, just to pick up on that, it does feel like people still think, I need to, you know, my my spec script is my lottery ticket or is my um, backstage pass and once I'm backstage, I now have a 25-year career writing sitcom scripts. And that that probably might have been the case for a short period 30 years ago when, you know, basically everything was written by two blokes who went to school together. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, there, there was a pretty small pool of sitcom writers. Um, and, you know, Esmond and Larby had about four or had about eight or ten hits between them and individually. And there's Goldman Simpson, and there's John Sullivan, and there's Carl Lane. Vince but, Driver and Harry Powell. Yeah, but so these loads. are kind of yeah, but the, but in a way, it's it's we're talking dozens of people, not hundreds, mm. um, who are responsible for eighty percent of all sitcoms, and the other twenty percent, a lot of them didn't stick, um, and they went off to do something else because it turned out they weren't fundamentally that interested in in the form, which I think you you do need to be, mm. um, but I think. Yeah, I think people, I, I worry when I get signs of people thinking this script needs to be good because then everything will be okay. It's like, no, this script is showing, your spec script needs to show that you can do a job of writing situation comedy. If, you, if you're lucky, you'll get to do this six times more with your first series in a really compressed space of time. There won't actually be enough time to do it. So you better be pretty sure that you're getting the skills to do it. And then having done it, you might get to do it again. And then you might not get to do it again for another five years. So, you know, I had Bluestone 4.2 on TV. That ran for three series. And I'm really proud of it. But it, but I'm not kidding myself that getting a new sitcom on TV anytime soon is going to be a realistic thing. So in the meantime, I've got to make a living writing other people's shows, which I've always been happy to do in the past. Um, radio, podcasting writing books I'm kind of I, I like writing um, and so I I, th I think people need to think about the long game building a career as a writer rather than um, being in the sitcom writing world because it, it, it isn't a world anymore mm. I don't think it's I think it's completely dissipated 
It's still um, there in the same way that publishing is still, you know, yeah. uh, you can, if you want to get, uh, th th there's just a mountain of information out there if you want, you know, to get yeah. your book published, here's how you try to get an agent, these are the main publishing houses, the five yeah. houses, etc. Yeah. But, you know, there are just now more opportunities opening and, you know, they're not, it's, it's not a perfect situation. No. But it does mean that there is a, the possibilities are opening up more now for you to write things and then to learn how to make them as you say you've learned about youtube uh mm. making youtube this this year yeah you know, it's not that difficult and it's yeah. not that expensive yeah now. and five years ago i learned about podcasting yeah um so i think these are all kind of part of, and this is not to say you should get into youtube or podcasting it, it doesn't matter um if there are things that feel like they might be interesting and things that you could do well and then actually use them to bless other people, help other people. And also you could monetize them and show how to, how to do it. There aren't that many, how to make a podcast podcasts and video courses. Pat Flynn's got one, uh, which I think yeah. does really well, but um, I must admit, I did feel a little bit meta as I was uh, looking on Spotify for podcasts about podcasting. And yeah. I thought, <laughs> Sort of, yeah. the algorithms didn't quite uh, understand what I was trying to do there. Yeah, uh, they, they thought I was being satirical. I think, but uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. we don't we don't want that. Thanks in in no. Spotify. Thank you very much. <laughs> but um, I think it's just realizing it's playing the long game. Um, and, but but therefore, all you really have control over is the script, the script that you're writing, the sitcom script that's your spec script, that's your calling card, that is your vision for a show but which is also that which could get you work on other shows and open other doors and opportunities, um, which is why you don't just need a script. You also need, you know, two or three ideas for other shows and a couple of other skills where you can be useful to people. So in a way, you're kind of working on a sort of a portfolio of work and skills um, and doing one or two other things to keep you in the game. And I think that was the other thing I learned particularly uh, I've probably mentioned the Tim Ferriss book, The Four Hour Work Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I, th I, th I do actually recommend. As I say, I've, I fundamentally disagree with a lot of his worldview because mm. I think fundamentally he thinks that work is for suckers and you need to get out, you need to avoid doing it. Whereas I, for a variety of beliefs, beliefs think that work is inherently a good thing and that we were made to do. Um, but I would say that. But fundamentally, what he's good at is saying, what actually makes you the most money to free you up to do the things that you really want to do? And actually just focusing, you know, using the 80-20 rule, if you really want to write and it's not really making you any money at the moment, that's normal, that's fine. What else are you doing to keep, to, to, to earn money? How do you maximise the time to write? Therefore, how do you maximise how much money you earn? And it may be that you should stop doing things that, you've only really agreed to because you felt guilty or you guilted into them. Stop doing them and do more of something else. But I guess this is all stuff for 2021 that we'll look at in the next yeah. episode. We will. And just before, uh, as my sort of end note, as a result of that, uh, what you were just saying there, uh, and yet, yes, obviously we all need to make money to survive. But going back to what, what Adam said about some um, mental health and helping others, I, I think, uh, you know, in this kind of incredibly individualistic uh, career that we have chosen for ourselves and that's what what it is for being writers then you know the more that we can help each other uh you know that 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 
for me, I guess, has been the main thing that I've learned from this year is mm. that uh, we we have to keep talking to each other, to people that we disagree with. We just have to keep, uh, uh, and we have to help each other. And everybody, mm. for whatever reason, will have had some, or lots of people, lots more people will have had some, you know, kind of difficult mental health issues this year. Mm. And, yeah. you know, it's we, we, we have to help each other and hopefully they will help us too. And that's yeah. been, for me, the biggest sort of takeaway from this yeah. year. I think spending time with people you disagree with is very, very healthy. And I think that's a physical thing rather than a, if you find, if you do that on the internet, it will make you angry and anxious. (laughs) And therefore, if you've got Netflix, watch the social dilemma and that will make you see social media slightly differently. I think, Mm. um, I think that would be a good antidote as well. Yes. uh, No, I need to get, I need to get back into that. But, uh, you see, here's a, here we go. We've had a whole Christmas special episode and we've not talked about Christmas specials. And uh, maybe we'll talk about that next Christmas when everything will be back to normal, won't it, Dave? <laughs> oh, yes. It'll be all over by Christmas. Yes. Which Christmas? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Over by Christmas. Yeah. yeah. That's what they said in 1939. Uh, um, 1914, they said it as well, I think. Oh, yes. That's right. All over yeah. by Christmas. Yeah. No, 1939, they said, oh, here we go again. It'll be over by Christmas. No, it won't. <laughs> um so uh so yeah cool well anyway thanks very much for listening we've mentioned patreon do go and look for that google sitcom geeks patreon follow us on twitter at sitcom geeks follow dave who is on twitter dave cohen comedy dave cohen comedy i am sitcom geek singular uh the situation room is on um the youtube as well that's our that's my youtube channel so um we'll talk more about that next time but until then have a very very merry merry christmas happy christmas to you all bye-bye cheerio